The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. You know, getting my body strong, getting my legs strong, getting faster, getting strong, just, just all that. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, in one of the best shapes of my life, so um, I'm excited to show it. It's more of a muscle game, so that way handling everything. So I wanted to lean out and just really put on good stuff and get into the best shape of my life. Um, honestly, I feel faster. Definitely was a big emphasis just um, getting generally stronger, you know, so I could be able to play out there a full season. Hey, you know, we want to be our be the best version of ourselves uh, obviously uh, you know with, with me too you know I want to be the best version of me I want to have the best offseason of, of my life you know you always want to be in the best shape of your life you know I, I'm ready for that I've been I feel better than ever yeah I feel great you know I feel uh, feel lean and mean ready to go and uh, focused it is indeed best shape of your life season in the NFL Players returning from their time in the laboratory, working out, getting themselves honed, lean and mean, lean, mean fighting machines. Another movie from the 80s that I assume Miles Simmons has not seen. And he's here today. Another Friday closer to death. Hello, Miles. Welcome back. It feels like it's really been a long time since you've done this. And I'm sure at the end of this show, you'll say it feels like it was a long time that I was doing this. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's how it usually is every time I get to wake up real early and spend two hours with you, Mike. But there is no place that I would rather be than right here, right now. Shout out to the Buffalo Bills. Here's the question, though. Are you in the best shape of your life? Not yet. No. But you know what? I it, Look, I, I think that it's time that, you know, we really get on that, right? You know, it's not like you need to be in the best shape of your life. Now, I think really the key is to be in the best shape of your life by week one, right? So once we get into training camp, you know, that's when I really feel like, yeah, we can put all the good stuff that we did in the off-season program into a, a fruition, right? And then we can really stack those blocks and we can get to where we need to be by week one. I, I don't think that it's really about being in the best shape of your life right now. You know, by the time I'm 32, 
that's when we really need to be in the best shape of our life because that's when we're getting into week three, week four, first quarter of the season's over, and we really feel like we know who we are as a team. I just slipped into a press conference, but I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> now, yeah, are you talking about football players or us? Like, we need to be in the know. best shape of our life come week one, so we're ready with the week in and week out grind of sitting on our asses because it does get <laughs> grueling. <laughs> I guess it gets grueling for you once you're pushing 60. <laughs> you know, I've still got two you, years and six days. You're like, you're like, you set me up for that. Like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, man, just whoop. Wow. You know, that was just, that was too easy. <laughs> I can no longer say I'm in the best shape of my life, but I do believe I'm in decent shape for someone who soon will be elderly. And I don't know where the dividing line is between middle age and old age. I'm going to find out inevitably if I'm lucky. But I do stay fit. I do work out every single day. Now, does that balance out the fact that, as I said before the show opened and I opened my laptop, that it smells like cigars? I'm not sure about that. We'll find out. Yeah. Uh, we will. That's okay. I mean, what a way to go, right? You know, you, if you're not going to enjoy the fruits of your labor, then why even do it? That's at least the way I think of it. Well, I spent some time thinking about this. And as you get older, number one, you have more time to think about it. And number two, you have more reason to think about it. But what's really the difference between 85 and 90? I mean, really? Like, <laughs> oh boy. I, I, I remember somebody saying to me years ago, they did a study that somebody who runs on a consistent basis, so many hours a week, so many days per week, whatever, mm -hmm. extends their life by four years. Okay. And, and so that's fine. But when you do the math, I spent four years of my life running. So who cares? It's a wash, <laughs> right? <laughs> I get four extra years and I spent four cumulative years running. So, well, it's, uh, it's anyway. like you get the you get the four years from running. But then, like, you know, if you enjoy a good bourbon, as I do, you know, how does that like balance itself out? You know, do you can't do you get like a net plus two from the drinking plus the running or where does it where does it end? I don't I don't really know. Well, it's funny, too, because that's how I justify any time I see a report that talks about alcohol consumption or tobacco consumption. I just assume that the people who make up those statistics otherwise live unhealthy lives. I justify my own bad habits by saying I eat right, except when I have pepperoni pizza every night. So the hell with that. I exercise every day. That's really all that I can do when I can check the positive box. I don't overeat. I'm within a healthy weight. And I exercise every day. So it's pizza every night, almost every night. It's a couple of drinks every night. And it's a cigar every other day. Although this time of year when it's nice out, man, it's tempting. Last night yeah. was not supposed to be a cigar night, but it was 75 degrees out on the patio. Ooh. It was time to take the laptop out and stink it up with tobacco smoke. I couldn't resist. I'm human. I couldn't resist it. What can I say? Hey, we all need a vice. I, I, and I am uh, one who uh, says that we all need a vice. And I think that that's something that is not always so bad as long as it's done in moderation. 
right? It doesn't sound, I mean, it's, look, it, it's spring. Like you said, it's beautiful outside. I'm sure it was a wonderful night in West Virginia if they have those. And, you know, like that's what you got to do, man. So I, I heart, wholeheartedly endorse it. And maybe, you know, it'll get you off there sooner. <laughs> I live in almost heaven, and I have visited almost hell. Trust me. Trust me. You're the one who lives in almost hell. I'm the one who lives in almost heaven. I'm glad we okay. have we can, you know, agree to disagree on that. Now, now I, I do I do need to add this disclaimer. I do. Okay. When you say everyone needs a vice, I would like to just add it should be a vice that is within the confines of the legal system that is not something Absolutely. that crosses the line into into potential incarceration. We're not endorsing yes. that kind of a lifestyle. Only legal vices. And there are many to choose from, depending yes. upon where you live, especially. Okay. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, that's why it's sometimes it's better to live in California than West Virginia. By the way, the show's PFT Live. We're here on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports Action. If they play the show, who the hell knows if they do or they don't. I've stopped trying to figure it out. Podcasts, we know they're available whenever and wherever you happen to listen. And I'm back in my regular position because the – Technical issue has been solved. There was a power supply that went bad. You never know what it's going to be that knocks the camera offline. I did it from my office for a couple of days. I'm starting to get used to that. I was starting to like it. It's even nicer to not have to climb up a flight of steps to go to work. You know, I've got the ultimate commute. All I have to do is move through my house. Past couple of days, it was great. I was doing the show from my office. Awesome. Fun. But higher quality camera up here. I get that. And, that you know, like? the emails I'm going to get. The emails I'm going to get all about uh, my oh what what do you, why don't you do something about Miles' camera? It's like first of all, what am I supposed to do? And number two, why do you care? Like you can see him, just because it's not ultra high def, it still gets the job done. But that's what I got yesterday and the day before about the quality of the camera in my in my office. But the bottom line is, whatever complaints anyone might have, this is. The, the downside of, I guess, what would count as a vice of being so willing to let people know my email address, I get every complaint you can imagine about anything and everything that people would like to complain about. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's okay for you because you also are a person that likes to complain about anything and everything he can complain about. So, I mean, you know. Should I give out your email address? Maybe I'll give no, out your email not. address. No, it's okay. People, listen, if people really want to find it, they can go find it. People do find it all the time. I get nice emails. Sometimes I get not so nice emails. It's okay. I don't mind. Feedback is a good thing. But, you know, just use the Google Before, machine. Don't. <laughs> no, I can make it easier for people. I mean, people enjoy efficiency. I, I don't even know what your email address is. I know what your phone number is. I know that. Okay. I don't even know what no, your you phone don't. number you is. Look at, all yeah, I you know can just is, look at your phone. All I know right. is Miles... Miles, that's all I know, and, and it completes. Isn't that weird? Like, if you would lose your phone, think about this. You would have no idea how to get in touch with anyone because you know, I, know. I don't know anybody's phone number. I know. I, I know my wife's, my son's, and mine. That's it. Yeah. I know no one else's phone number. Anyway. I know. Uh, first I really should memorize some, some, some numbers yeah, besides my mother's, especially like people who like Before are living close to me. <laughs> I don't know. That's bad. Before so what happens when you're single on. and childless, Mike? Before we move on, I need you to weigh in on the topic of the past two days, whether or not oh. is an, it is appropriate for a grown man to build Lego sets, oh, yeah. yes or no? 
Um, mm, depends on how complicated the Lego set is. I mean, it could be if it's like a nice hobby, you know, where the Lego set's actually a little bit expensive and you really wouldn't want a kid doing it because it's got too many small pieces. I think it's pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. See? This That's what cold. I do. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm not, I think it makes sense. I'm not getting the Sesame Street Lego set, right, with all the big <laughs> giant pieces. I mean, the sets that I'm buying, number one, are expensive and apparently very expensive. The Ghostbusters Firehouse, somebody emailed mm-hmm. me yesterday that that thing new in the box is $869. Now, that's oh. not what it cost when I bought it. But, you know, I'm having second thoughts about building the damn thing. I should have left it in the box. And I've seen stories about people who – the problem is, like, as collectible items go, these Lego sets come in big-ass boxes. The, the, the right. Ghostbusters Firehouse box is huge. Like, you need a warehouse to keep all this stuff. Oh, I'm a collector of these Lego sets. Hey, find something smaller to collect because that stuff takes up a lot of room. So, anyway, uh, I, uh, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what it completed – Lego Ghostbusters Firehouse goes for, but I got one of those that I'm not selling anytime soon. I don't know what I'm ever going to do with it. Like, I'll look at that thing from time to time. It's like, where is that thing going to be in 50 years? Like, what landfill is it going to be residing in? Because I suspect that no one is going to want it after I croak. And I don't know how much longer I want it to sit there on that table. It's been there for a year. I don't know what the shelf life is, but we'll find out. All right, let's get to football. Uh, And... uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, it is best shape of your life season unless you're recovering from foot surgery like Jimmy Garoppolo is. I don't know that he's ever in the best shape of his life because it seems like he's perpetually injured because that leads us to what? Well, it's true. I mean, it's true. The shoe fits, except when you've just had foot uh, surgery oh, on your man, foot. Then, come on. then the, shoe, the shoe doesn't doesn't fit. Here's Josh McDaniels, coach of the Raiders. And let's watch very closely for the tells and the body language and the demeanor that would let us – come to a conclusion as to whether he truly believes he has no anxiety about his would-be starting quarterback. Have a listen and a look. You could maybe raise the anxiety level of some fans on the availability, the eventual availability of, of Jimmy. We're about eight weeks, I guess, away from training camp. Is there a confidence that... I have, no, I have no anxiety. Right, okay, there you go. You guys might have anxiety. <laughs> is there, so is there a, I don't have any anxiety. Is there a confidence level then that he'll be there in training camp and ready to go? Yep, I'm not going to put a timeline or a day on anything, but um, like I said, I have no anxiety. With you know, I know you're confident Jimmy will be back, but when Jimmy does come back, this time that's being missed, how I guess how valuable would this time have been to work with guys, and what can you do to kind of build that chemistry, what, even if he's not on the field necessarily with the guys? Again, we can't control, you know, there's, this, is, this is football, you know, and there's definitely going to be players that miss time and, I mean, just Josh Jacobs wasn't able to do a whole lot last year either and a decent year. You know, so, again, I just – there's there, – I don't want to overstate any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, the relationships, the trust, the communication, um, the rapport, uh, all that stuff's being built, you know. Uh, he's here every day, obviously, and the guys are getting to know each other, which is a great thing. Um, I don't want to over overstate or understate the importance of OTAs or anything like that. It's an important time of the year, uh, but there's also a lot of players that can't participate in it. Or and again, remember it's voluntary, so there's players that aren't participating in it. You know, across the league. So that doesn't mean that oh well, this year's going to be bad for him and not good for him and all the rest of it. So, um, like I said, I have no anxiety about it. I'm excited that he's here. Um, really excited that he's here and um, looking forward to it when he's out there. 
look, he, he did his best to hold a smile. And it's funny. One of the things I've learned in recent days is to study the person <laughs> before, <laughs> before they start talking, while they are bracing for when they have to speak, before mm-hmm. the first question, as it was being asked, before he responded to the first question, I should say, you could see he was like, kind of like his eyes were like, stay on target, stay on target. And we played the clip of Jimmy Garoppolo when he said there was no issue, nothing to see here, everything's fine, when his contract wasn't signed and they sent everybody home from the press conference, had to come back the next day and everybody thought there was an issue with the contract and he said no big deal. He does the tell during the question so he gets it out of his system so he can deliver a response that is canned, rehearsed, prepackaged, whatever. How can he say, Miles, he has no anxiety? That's just detached from reality. Your starting quarterback had an injury in December that for whatever reason he did not have surgery on. It needed it. You agreed to sign him and give him an $11.25 million signing bonus, sight unseen under the representation, I would assume, from his agent that his foot is fine. He shows up, fails the physical. You find out the foot isn't fine. He has surgery on the foot. We're only two months removed from that. He's not able to participate in the OTAs. How can you say you have no anxiety? You know, when you think of the things that keep you staring at the ceiling at night, if you're a football coach, the potential availability or unavailability of the most important player on the field is something that would give you anxiety. And if he's currently not available because he had surgery two months ago, that should give you at least some anxiety. On a scale of 1 to 100, it at least has you in the high single digits as it goes to anxiety. So you can't say you have no anxiety. Because if you say you have oh. no anxiety, you're either clueless or you're lying. Well, unless you have a dindum G, and then if you have to pull that ripcord, then you have no anxiety because then you're going to suck and maybe you get We're Caleb protected. Williams, right? I mean, that's that's the, the way that you would maybe think of it is I have no anxiety. Or, I mean, as he said later on in that press conference, is I have very good information that makes me feel comfortable, so that's why I have no anxiety. And I, I guess that's it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a player who is injury prone. And I don't like saying that about guys, but it's absolutely true. I mean, if we think back to the time where he was filling in for Tom Brady, when Tom Brady got suspended, he got hurt then. And Jacoby Brissett had to come in and start two games of that Tom Brady four-game suspension, right, in 2016. So this is something that has been going on throughout Jimmy Garoppolo's career. It's why the Colts did not want to trade for him last year because they knew that he wasn't going to be available for the offseason program after he had shoulder surgery. And this is just, again, it's something that has gone on and on and on throughout Jimmy Garoppolo's career. And I would say that even if... This rapport, as uh, Josh McDaniels was saying, is being built between Jimmy Garoppolo and different receivers because they're in building together. That really doesn't necessarily translate to on-field chemistry. Look no further than Matthew Stafford and Allen Robinson last year with the Los Angeles Rams. I think we all think Allen Robinson is a decently talented receiver. Right. I mean, those two guys had absolutely no chemistry and had a disastrous year in part because Matthew Stafford was not available to participate in the offseason program and a lot of training camp, really. And they did not develop that chemistry. So I, I hear what McDaniels is saying, but I don't quite buy it when it comes to that rapport and that chemistry that needs to be established between a new quarterback and his receivers. 
And I go back to that quote that you shared. I have very good information that would tell me we're going to be fine. Unlike the information that I had back in March when we committed to give him $11.25 million signing bonus and we found out that my information was very bad about the condition of his foot. So there is reason to be concerned. And we get back to the theme that started the show, best shape of my life season. This is one of the reasons I have tremendous respect for professional football players. They work to get themselves into peak physical condition, and then they go do something with their bodies that necessarily will cause their peak physical condition to become impaired. And that's the thing with Jimmy G. The anxiety level now, as he recovers from foot surgery, is different from the anxiety level that necessarily will apply when he starts playing because he has proven time and again in the position other than kicker and punter that is the most protected in all of football. He can't stay healthy. He can't avoid contact. He can't help getting himself injured all the way back to 2016 playing in that handful of games when Tom Brady was suspended 2018 with the San Francisco 49ers week three at Arrowhead Stadium decides he's going to Mm -hmm. drop his shoulder and deliver a blow to a defensive back of the Chiefs who wanted to tackle him instead of just walking his ass out of bounds. And he tears his ACL when he does it. The stupidest of all injuries, one of the stupidest, being tough guy that's got to exert some sort of physical. But it is. It is. Robert Griffin III did the same thing when he was playing for your Cleveland Browns. You remember that week one. Against the Eagles, I think it was. Dropped his shoulder on the way out of bounds and injured his shoulder, and was that was it. That was it for him. That was it. It was done. It was, and it's just stupid. It's stupid. You have to be available for your team as the quarterback. And there it is, September 23, 2018, the ACL. And look at all the other injuries. Guy oh can't gosh. stay healthy. And, and his contract doesn't pay him high-end money. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why you can't count on him, which makes the availability of a plan B all the more critical. I think that's one of the reasons why we're getting serenity now from Josh McDaniels. He doesn't want to continue that dialogue to the next logical step. If you do have anxiety, why is your backup not someone other than Brian Hoyer? That's the question I think he's trying to avoid. Yes. Well, and it makes sense as a question, right? And and I tend to think that if the Raiders had known heading into that uh, negotiating window in free agency that this was going to be an issue with Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe they would have made a bigger play to keep Jarrett Stidham. And instead, Jarrett Stidham, they let him go and he goes and signs with the Broncos and he may take over for Russell Wilson by December. So it's just a really different situation that you could have been in based on where you are now. I mean, the God love Brian Hoyer and I do love Brian Hoyer. You know, fun fact, his mom and my mom used to work together like eons ago um, back in Cleveland and Brian Hoyer is a Cleveland kid. So God love him. But that's not really going to scare you as an opponent when you're looking at a quarterback depth chart between Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, and Chase Garbers behind Jimmy Garoppolo. And frankly, I don't even know how much Jimmy Garoppolo is going to scare you at this point. So, yeah, the Raiders are not really in a great situation. And if I were a Raiders fan, I think I would have a little bit more anxiety than Josh McDaniels seems to have, or at least claims he has at this point. And that is the one critical thing to keep in mind. We discussed this earlier in the week, but it bears repeating. Less than two hours into the negotiating window on Monday, March 13, a deal was in place 
for Jimmy Garoppolo to sign with the Raiders. So when you walk through that door, and that's how quickly it moves once they wave whatever flag it is that starts the race. Green flag, white flag, I don't know. Black flag, probably not that one. But F1, it's lights out and away we go. Green means go. So, uh, So the bottom line is this. Jared Stidham, during that same period of time, generally reaches the deal with the Broncos. You've got other quarterbacks who were available to be signed that pick their other spots. And you don't find out until days after the fact that you wouldn't have reached an agreement with Jimmy Garoppolo if you had known the truth about his foot. You would have done something else because presumably you want your quarterback for his first year with the team to be available and healthy in the offseason. But it's on the Raiders to not even have the appropriate level of skepticism. The guy just injured his foot. We don't know how healthy it is. We're not going to commit to this many millions of dollars without having a chance to look at his foot. It's one of the flaws in the system. Everybody's moving fast in that 52-hour negotiating window, and then the dust settles, and then you do the physical. And then you find out, oh, no, this guy's got an unhealed foot injury that requires surgery. It's, it's, I, yes, it should be something that yeah. induces anxiety because it never happens. Well, it, I think you're saying something a little worse than, oh, no, at that point, right? But I, I think in, in the Raiders' defense, there was discussion of Jimmy Garoppolo potentially being available for the 49ers late, you know, in the season. Like, if they had reached the Super Bowl, would Jimmy Garoppolo have potentially been available to be a backup quarterback? So, I mean, it's not like everybody knew, like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo's foot definitely needs surgery, you know? So, I mean, I don't... It, who, the Raiders don't need me to defend them, but I think that that is a factor when you look at everything that led up to what Jimmy Garoppolo agreed to initially versus then what the Raiders discovered. I, I do think that that's at least a little bit of a part of it. There's enough there, though, that they should have been scratching the surface because remember when the injury first You're happened, right. Kyle Shanahan said himself he needs surgery. And then the report yes. from Shefty the next day was he doesn't. And we know that Jimmy Garoppolo typically resists surgery. The shoulder surgery was woefully delayed, and I think he wanted to. And look, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't want surgery unless I absolutely positively need it. Minor surgery. Minor surgery. Definition of minor surgery. Surgery performed not on you or anyone you care about. That's what minor surgery is. Surgery is surgery. You're opening up your body. They're either putting stuff in or taking stuff out, exposing the inside of your of your body to light and air and potential infections. No, I don't want it if I don't have to have it. And Jimmy Garoppolo waited and he ended up needing it. And then he quickly got it. And then he quickly got it because he knew the Raiders were not going to pay him a penny until he had it. And they still possibly won't pay him a penny if this thing isn't properly healed at the end of this process of rehab, whatever. You know, he could go on the pup list or NFI. I don't know how it would work with a lingering injury from another team. But if he's not on the 53-man roster come week one, the clock is ticking on him possibly not making a penny from the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders. Whoa. Oh my God, how long ago did they move? Hey, I'm at the point where I can blame any of that stuff on advancing age. I'm old. I'm confused. I uh, thought they were still go. in Oakland. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again. Goal for the United States. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. From one actual Raiders quarterback to a potential Raiders quarterback, or at a minimum, eventual Raiders owner. Tom Brady, for some reason yesterday, and I still don't know what he was selling, because usually this is what happens. Someone is selling something. I would say not FTX. Someone was selling something yesterday. Tom Brady was selling something. He did multiple interviews yesterday. The first one that landed on our radar screen was with SI Now. And Tom Brady was asked a question, the inevitable question, as to whether he's going to play again. And he gave us the most unequivocal answer he has supplied since he actually retired for the second time. Here he is. What is your message to those fans, the media, whoever it is, that's constantly concocting a way for you to come back? I'm certain I'm not playing again, so I've tried to make that clear, and I I hate to continue to profess that because I've already told people that uh, lots of times. But I'm looking forward to my my broadcasting job at Fox next year. Um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity ahead with the the Raiders, and we're in the process of that along with – the other different things that I'm a part of professionally and in my personal life, just spending as much time with my kids as I can and seeing them grow up and support the different things that they have going on. And that's a very important job. And I take them all pretty seriously. He was a little feisty there when he was answering that question. Like he was pushing himself up out of his chair. Like, let's go. I'm ready to fight (laughs) anyone who would say I'm not completely retired. But you know, the last time we heard from him was down in Miami He was at some paid event, not FTX, and they asked him if there's any chance he's going to come out of retirement and play for the Dolphins. And he didn't say that. He didn't say no. I'm certain that I'm retired. He didn't say then. Last time I checked, the Dolphins have a quarterback. He gave some filibustered non-answer that didn't say no. And in that situation, anything other than no is maybe yes. So I was told back then he's done but he kind of likes this. He kind of likes the the mystery. He kind of likes the attention. Well, apparently he's had his fill of it. Now he's out there slamming doors about the possibility of him playing for the Raiders. But let me be a little more cynical than I ordinarily would be. It's, what? You know, I, I, yeah. So that, does Regardless, that mean we have to get two tinfoil yeah, hats just, now? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Put no, the tinfoil no, hat on uh, top of the tinfoil hat? Hey, like make a, make a big stack hey, of the Howie. three tinfoil hats? Hey, Howie. 
Hey, Howie, go easy. Go easy, Howie. Remember, Howie doesn't work for me, but you do. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, uh, oh, oh, the, the, he's got to get the 24 votes to be approved as minority owner of the Raiders. And one of the things that was mentioned recently by Vincent Bonsignore, my paisano, Vie, Vie, Vinny Bonsignore, I'm, I'm Italian, I'm allowed to do that. He, he mentioned that it's possible, he mentioned that it's possible that before anyone votes in favor of him buying a piece of the Raiders, they're going to want a commitment, they're going to want his word that he's going to try to come back. So, you know, I, I go back, Miles, to what he told Jim Gray. When Jim Gray said to him on the Let's Go podcast, you said once upon a time you will retire when you suck. You don't suck. Why are you retiring? And he essentially said, I believed it when I said it. And it dawned on me that is the ultimate cover for saying whatever you feel like saying. It takes the George Costanza, it's not a lie if you mean it, and it puts it on steroids. I believed it when I said it. So, June 1. 2023, I'm certain I'm done playing. Well, September 1, 2023, he's playing. Well, you said in June that you weren't playing. Well, I believed it when I said it. I mean, it's awesome. It's powerful. It's potent. I believed it when I said it. So, and again, I, I, I'll i believe it when I see it because the guy's been all over the place. So I'll believe it when I see it that he doesn't play. I'll believe it when I see it that he works for Fox because Tom Brady reserves the right to change his mind. And Tom Brady has enough money in the bank, even after FTX, that he can change his mind about anything he wants and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And whatever the rest of us say doesn't mean Jack diddly crap squat. So he can change his mind if he wants to. That's the caveat on all of this. I don't care what he said in March. I don't care what he said in May. I don't care what he says in June. Here's the reality. That train is going to leave the station without him when football season rolls around, and nobody knows how he's going to feel when it happens, including him. And he may feel very differently. And if there's an opportunity out there, and he's in reasonably good shape, best shape of his life, not that he has to be in great shape because it's not like he's, you know, running and cutting and jumping and diving. If he thinks he can do it and the opportunity arises, he has the ability to change his mind. And every, anything he said before that doesn't mean a word. And people aren't going to go back and say, but you said this then, and you said this then, and you said this then. They're going to be covering the fact that he's returned. That's all that's going to matter if it ever happens. If it ever happens, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I Like, I heard about a marriage that uh, got uh, consummated or what, whatever. It was done in October, and three months later, the marriage was done, right? So that's the ultimate, I believed it when I said it, right? Because man, I'm taking these vows. I'm going to love you forever. And then three months later, you're divorced, right? So this is the kind of thing, I guess, that happens, right? Where, yeah, Tom Brady can say today or yesterday, as the case may be, that he's certain he's done playing. But I think you're right. There's nobody that knows, including him, how he's going to feel you know, when the season starts on September 7th. And if there is an opportunity with an offensive coordinator, he knows, or, you know, with somebody, I mean, if it's with the Raiders, if it's somewhere else, I mean, I don't know that you can really divest from being a Raiders owner that quickly in order to get on the field, because assume I would assume that you would have to do that. But I mean, it's just the possibility still exists. Sure. That he can come out of the owner's box and then start playing. But I think in part, 
he might be doing this whole Raiders ownership thing so that he's preventing himself from having that temptation of, "Eh, you know, maybe I can still do it. Because if he becomes an owner, it becomes infinitely more complicated for him to then become a player again. So I don't know. I mean, I think Tom Brady probably believes that he is done, right? He can believe that all he wants. But yeah, the possibility still exists that he will get that itch and we'll have to see what happens if it does. And his return is not as complicated as a reporter who has reported plenty of Tom Brady stories in recent years would have had us believe a week ago when Jeff Darlington said, or strongly implied, I went back and looked at his tweet, strongly implied it takes a unanimous vote, that all it takes is one no, and owner can't become player. We now know it takes nine no's to keep him from playing if he chooses to play. So it's not as complicated as we were led to believe. But I agree in, with you. I think Tom whoa, whoa, whoa. Brady is trying to slam. Let me slam- defend Darlington for a second because you keep saying that. But in Darlington's defense, he said a vote of 32 owners, not well, a well, vote that course, is unanimous from 32 owners. A vote of but, 32 but, owners is just a vote of owners. I mean, like, I don't I, like, you. Okay. You're you like, twisted that I, into what you I, thought. No, it no, was. no, 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 no. But I no, mean, no. of course, listen, you, t- time out, Mr. Time out, lawyer, Miles. who time, reads Miles. things and parses things. Time out, Miles, Miles. Why would you have to put 32 in there? 32 is superfluous. 32 is meaningless. Okay. 32 is pointless. Of course, it's a vote of 32 owners. What is it, a vote of 12 owners? It's all of them. It's a vote of the owners. So when you put 32 in there, it implies it's unanimous. He knew what he was doing. He was implying very strongly that it was unanimous. And Vincent Bonsignore said in his item, it was unanimous. So somebody close to Brady was telling people it's unanimous to get people off of it. They want people off of this. They want to, 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 they, they just don't want it to be a thing. And I think that's why he did this yesterday. He's frustrated that it became a thing because maybe he really doesn't want to play. But the problem is, He's been so freaking wishy-washy in the past. This is what happens when you retire and unretire. It is. You 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 wear that. That's it. That's tattooed on who you are. He's already retired and unretired once. And even if the scam then was to try to go play for the Dolphins, not really retire from football, just retiring from the Buccaneers, he's done it. So people are going to be wired to think maybe he'll do it again. Unlike, and I saw Steve Weish make this great point yesterday, Tim Duncan, NBA great. When he was done, he was just done. That's it. I'm gone. You're never hearing from me again. You don't even know where I am. I'm hard to miss, but you ain't going to see me. I'm gone. Dan Marino, Dan Marino, when he was done, he was done. Denny Green wanted him to play in Minnesota in 2000. He's done. He's gone. That's it. It's over. And Tom Brady has already forfeited the ability to be that guy. So guess what, Tommy? You've said enough things over the years to give people reason to believe that you would still like to play. Hell, he said it. I still love football. I still, he said it on his podcast, but he's trying to prioritize other things in his life. And hey, maybe there's a chance he wakes up one day and he says, I've gotten everything under control where I can go disappear for four months or at least play part-time dad and split my time. And I, I just, this guy has changed his mind about so much stuff. I refuse to accept that what he said yesterday is what's going to come to fruition because he's proven that he can't stick to his word. He's proven it. Anyway. You rest your case? I rest my case. Thank you. There you go. All right. And I don't need a vote of 32 owners 
or 10 or 7 or whatever other number would have been in there. Good Lord. All right. Uh, Okay. The other thing he said, too, is he intends to work for Fox next year. That's another we'll believe it when we see it because there's people who just think he's really not going to do it. I I thought it was very significant that Fred Goodelli, longtime NFL producer, Monday Night Football and Sunday Night Football, interview with Andrew Marchand of the New York Post. He's been Mm -hmm. producing Brady games his entire career. Brady's entire career. And part of the process is you have production meetings. You're in the room. There's questions. There's back and forth. And the guys who are interested in getting into the business declare themselves. You can tell by the questions they ask, the things they say. They're curious about what it takes to put on a television production of a football game. And Fred said he never sensed once that Brady was curious about it or interested in it. That, that contributes to this weirdness that is he really going to do this? Is he really going to make this pivot to something he showed no inclination to want to do? And uh, yeah, it falls into the, when it happens, I'll believe it. Because we've just seen enough from Tom Brady that, that justifies skepticism and patience. Because he reserves the right to change his mind. I believe he does, it when but, I said it. Yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody reserves the right to change their mind, though. And, and you know, I also am skeptical. I, I've always been skeptical that he will eventually work for Fox, in part because it's like, and what what has Tom Brady ever said that's really all that interesting? And you kind of have to be a little bit interesting to be a broadcaster. Now, part of that is because he was part of the Stepford Patriots for 20 years, right? And then he, you know, got into his mid-40s and he's playing for the Buccaneers. And then he says things that are sort of interesting, but it's mostly because he's cursing at press conferences because he has six or seven rings and he's in his 40s and we can get away with that if we have six or seven rings and we're in our 40s. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't even know if Tom Brady's really going to be that good of a broadcaster. I think he would like to be. And I think that his kind of competitiveness that is inside him that we've obviously seen for years and years and years would probably make him be probably would make him want to be really good at it and make him work at it in order to be great at it. Um, but this gap here, so to speak, that he's taking me, maybe it will make him decide that he doesn't actually really want to do that. And so we'll see when it happens. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting year, I guess, for a lot of speculation when it comes to Tom Brady. And the first time there is a quarterback injury, what are we going to say, right? I mean, it, that's the only thing that's going to continue to happen. He's going to be in for a rude awakening when he realizes the challenges and the realities of speaking in 10, 15, 20-second sound bites extemporaneously, clearly, compellingly. It ain't easy, and he's going to find that out. And I know people say, oh, he'll work hard, and he'll do – and he better spend this year. This year better be all about prep and practice for next year because he is going to be more scrutinized than Tony Romo, more criticized than – than Tony Romo and whether or not he has rabbit ears and we all do we just either admit it or we lie about it he yeah. is going to be tormented tormented and he's going to get to the point I think pretty quickly where you know I don't need this I just don't need this unless he really does knock it out of the park unless he's committed to spending this whole year to learning exactly practice 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 every week practice 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 do it in that setting Forming a thought, communicating the thought, not stumbling over your words. Hell, I mean, look, I don't want to be hypercritical of the way the guy talks, but he had a hell of a time spitting it out yesterday when he was saying, I'm certain I'm not playing again. When he said, you know, he stumbled. It didn't it sounded like he was going to say something else. You got to be on it. If you're going to do that job right, you got to be on it and you got to get your words out. 
And they got to be clear and they got to be insightful and they got to be compelling. And the bar for him is so high. And Greg Olson yeah. keeps pushing that bar higher and higher and higher yeah. for Tom Brady. I just, again, he doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need to do it. There's other ways the guy can make money. And I respect him for putting himself out there. But he better put a lot of work in in 2023 to be ready to work for Fox in 2024. Okay, a little pop-up draft on this Friday edition of PFT Live. As it relates to anxiety levels about quarterbacks, which coaches right now should have, should have, regardless of whether they would ever admit that they do, which ones should have anxiety about their quarterbacks? And I was making a list last night. We could probably do 10 rounds here. Maybe not 10, maybe five. Yeah. Five. There's at least 10 coaches I identified, but go ahead. Who do you got, Miles? Yeah, there, there are quite a few. Uh, I'd start with Ron Rivera because, look, there are a lot of things going on with the Washington Commanders, including the sale of the team. But if you've got somebody who is as unproven as Sam Howell is, you know, he looked all right in that one game that he had against Dallas, but he's learning a new system. He's got a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, they've got some decent weapons, but... I don't know, man. I mean, putting kind of your entire job on the line with a fifth round pick from last year, that would give me some anxiety, Mike. And that's the key. His job is on the line with Sam Howell because what he needs is Sam Howell to come out and be the next big thing in the NFL and just be awesome. Be so good that Josh Harris would be out of his freaking mind to not keep Ron Rivera around. That's how good Sam Howell has to be. So, yes, Ron Rivera, excellent point. And that's why my first one, because there's plenty of guys out there that have unsettled issues, whether it's a guy who isn't healthy or a guy who's injury-prone. With Sam Howell, we just don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. Bill Belichick is my first pick. Ooh. Bill Belichick is my first pick. Here's why. We know, and I still firmly believe that Robert Kraft put him on notice. Late March, the way he said what he said, the way he answered questions he was asked about Bill Belichick's ability to be there long enough to catch Don Shula. Robert Kraft just wants to turn this thing around. It's been too long since they won a playoff game. The one playoff game they've been in the past few years, they got blown off the field. They want to turn this thing around. And the offense needs to turn around. And last year, that disaster is on Bill Belichick. Kraft has made that clear. He Mm -hmm. needs Mac Jones to play and play well, to save his butt. Whether, And I don't know what the magic number is that gets him run out the door this year. I think there's a way that the season falls that he has done. Where is that sweet spot? Where do they need to be? They're in a tough division, in a tough conference, and he needs Mac Jones to be even better than he was as a rookie, to have enough wins and to have the kind of season at the end of the day, Robert Kraft decides to continue. Let's do another year. Let's keep going. Let's see if we can rediscover our past greatness with Bill Belichick. Because the moment Robert Kraft decides that they can't, that's the moment that they're going to move on. And I think they're far closer to making that decision than anyone realizes. Yeah, it's interesting, Mike. I mean, when uh, Mac Jones was talking the other day, he used the word normal when he was asked how things (laughs) have been with Bill O'Brien. And I wrote it. It's like, I don't even know if that was really a backhanded kind of thing. 
you know, that he was saying about last year's offense. But last year's offense was anything but normal when you had a Franken monster of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge coaching you. So now that you have somebody who is experienced in calling offensive plays and having that role just in New England, right, of offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, that at least sets you on a right path for Mac Jones' development to be actually where it needs to be in his third season. So, yeah. But uh, let's go to the second pick for me, uh, Todd Bowles of the Buccaneers. Because when you've got Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield as uh, your quarterback competition, I don't care if you got a new offensive coordinator or not, that would give me some anxiety, man. And I know that it's, you know, the offseason program, it's OTAs, it's this, it's that. But when you see some of the things that have come out of uh, Buccaneers camp right now, where it's those guys just airmailing passes against air, that's not really a good sign. So that would give me some anxiety if I'm Todd Bowles. Well, and the one thing we know about the Buccaneers, they do not hesitate to fire coaches. And the whole circumstances of how he got the job, yeah, the way this quarterback situation goes may be tied very closely to the way things go for Todd Bowles getting yet another year beyond 2023. I'm going to go Stevan Kefanski or Kevin Stefanski. See, Tom, see how hard it is, Tom? When you're speaking extemporaneously, sometimes you'll say Stevan Kefanski instead of Kevin mm-hmm. Stefanski. Of your Cleveland Browns, Miles, here's why. Uh-huh. Here's why. It's year two of this massive Deshaun Watson contract. They got to do something with this guy this year. Yep. And they're not, gonna, they're not getting rid of Deshaun Watson if it doesn't <laughs> yep. work this year. So if it doesn't work this year, and when the dust settles on a year that doesn't work, what, what, what's your, what can you do? What's the easier way to go? You, you, you get a new coach. You bring in somebody else who can get more out of Sean Watson because after this year, you only got three years left on that massive fully guaranteed contract to justify your investment of money and of all the draft picks you gave up to get to Sean Watson. So, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate and it's arguably unfair that this is all on Kevin Stefanski. But this year, it is. He's got to get to Sean Watson back to the guy that he was that caused them to make that massive investment into Sean Watson, knowing no what doubt. they knew about the fact that he was going to miss all those games. It's on Stefanski to revamp the offense and make Watson into the guy that he was. And if he doesn't, there's a good chance they find somebody else to do it next year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you said, they're not getting rid of Deshaun Watson. The only way to do it is to get rid of the coach. And that's unfortunate, but it is the reality. And I think that Kevin Stefanski knows that. I think that they've spent a lot of time trying to make sure that they have the right stuff around Deshaun Watson. And who knows, maybe they'll pick up a receiver that Deshaun Watson used to throw to. I'm kind of hoping they do as a Cleveland person. Um, Last pick for me, and man, there are a lot that we could go to. I'm going to say Matt LaFleur because Jordan Love is just such an unknown quantity. And, you know, when we have a player who is replacing a legend in Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of inherent pressure in that. And even though Jordan Love has been a part of the same offensive system, and there's probably no one better positioned to be in his first year as a starter than Jordan Love right now, it's still, you just don't really know what he's going to do as QB1 over a full season. Now, the, the Packers have kind of protected themselves, at least contractually, when it comes to Jordan Love. But if Jordan Love is no good, then what's that necessarily going to mean for Matt LaFleur? I don't know. So, I mean, that would give me a certain level of anxiety when it's just an unknown where you have it as your starting quarterback. 
But see, I think that LaFleur could look at it and say, I didn't make this mess. I didn't pick this guy. I didn't want to take a quarterback. I wanted to focus on Aaron Rodgers. So this is someone else's experiment that I'm trying to get the most out of. I won 13 games three straight years to start my career in Green Bay. I've got a team that's rebuilding. I've got a team that isn't in a position where it has high expectations. So if it doesn't work out, we'll find somebody else, and, and then I'll be anxious. I won't be anxious with this one. I'll be anxious with the next one. I, you know, Mike McDaniel is the easy one because of Tua mm-hmm. and Tua's inability to avoid concussions. Um, it's almost so obvious I've been trying to avoid it. I want to be a little more, a little more probing. I'm going to say Dan Campbell, the Lions coach, okay. because they have expectations. They have ridiculously high expectations for a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in several years, for a team that hasn't won a postseason game since 1991, for a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. They're the darlings of the NFL. They're, uh, MDS, I think, posted the item recently that all the money's on the Lions plus six and a half in week one already against the Chiefs in Kansas City. Everybody's on the Lions. And they're only going to go as far as Jared Goff can take them. And there's a chance last year was a fluke, that last year was an aberration, and he regresses this year. They weren't expected to keep him more than two years. It was just the remaining guaranteed money under the contract they picked up a first-round pick for to take away from the Rams. Who will rid us of this meddlesome contract? The Lions didn't. They got a first-round pick for doing so. So if I'm Dan Campbell and I'm thinking about this team that I have that is pretty damn good on both sides of the ball, what's the one way this can go haywire? It's Jared Goff not playing like he did last year. Yeah, that's true. And you know what? Jared Goff has and have had, excuse me, Jared Goff has shown an ability that he can take a team to the Super Bowl. It's just that, you know, once they were in that Super Bowl, it was arguably the worst Super Bowl of all time. So I think that Jared Goff right now is in a position with Ben Johnson still as that offensive coordinator there in Detroit where he can get this team to where it needs to be. Now, will he be more like the, um, um, uh, oh my gosh, the number one overall pick that was above Aaron Rodgers, Alex Smith. Will he be the Alex Smith of like Kansas City where it's like, man, this guy's good, but you know, eh, he's not really going to be able to take us where we need to go. Maybe, but I, I think that Jared Goff can at least get that team to the playoffs. But I understand why there would be some anxiety there. And really for Dan Campbell, I would say anxiety about Jared Goff is probably a distant second to worrying which of your players is next to be suspended for violating the gambling policy because the Lions didn't do a great job of making sure their guys knew what they could have couldn't do. I mean, they've had what they're up to four and there's a fifth under investigation. At a certain point, the F's on the report card are on the teacher not the student. So I saw the quote yesterday. He's re-educating. I don't know that they, that implies they educated in the first place. I don't know the quality of the education the first time around, given the number of guys who have been suspended for violating the policy. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we return, we mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Miles did. He's rooting for him to go to Cleveland. Where could he be going? The latest on DeAndre Hopkins' search for a new team when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 